In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. My friend and mentor, Bishop Cahoon, once said that watching cartoons as a kid is good for Bible study because it helps us to envision things that are beyond our normal experience. For example, in the Gospel, Jesus says, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. We don't normally see people riding on clouds. Some imaginative work is necessary for understanding. However, understanding the Bible also requires that we develop a poetic vision that can understand images in more than strictly literal terms. A literal understanding of they shall see the Son of Man coming in a cloud would envision our Lord riding to earth, perhaps on a cumulonimbus incus, the kind of cloud that appears before a severe storm. But this biblical expression means something more than that. The Bible talks a lot about clouds in relationship with the presence of God. Sometimes the imagery is literal. In the Exodus, God led Israel out of Egypt in a cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. When God gave Israel the Ten Commandments, Exodus 19.9 tells us that the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. Exodus 24 says, The glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Israel's experience in the Exodus and on Mount Sinai provide the background for subsequent cloud imagery in the Bible. For example, Psalm 68.4 says, Extol him who rides on the clouds. Psalm 104 says, Who makes the clouds his chariot and walks upon the wings of the wind. God's presence in the cloud, in the Exodus, and on Mount Sinai leads to a poetic reflection on God's regular mode of travel and on God's presence in things that we might normally think only as of only natural phenomenon. One way the New Testament proclaims that Jesus is God is by associating him with the cloud. To put it in simple terms, if God is the one who rides on the clouds and Jesus rides on the clouds, then Jesus is God. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man coming on the cloud. This is a reference to a particular Bible passage, Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Whenever you hear the words, the Son of Man coming on a cloud, you should immediately think of Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. In this passage, Daniel writes, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. 
Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. The term son of man means something like descendant of humanity. It highlights Jesus' role as the new man, the new Adam. The son of man receives dominion. This harkens back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where God gave Adam dominion over the creation, which Adam subsequently lost. Thus, Jesus is the new Adam, who restores to humanity the dominion that we lost through sin. When Jesus called himself the Son of Man, biblically literate first century Jewish people knew that he was identifying himself with the divine figure of Daniel, chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This is shown by the interaction that took place when Jesus was put on trial by the Jewish leaders on Monday, Thursday. Matthew's gospel records part of that interaction as follows. The high priest said to Jesus, tell us if you are the son of God. And Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I tell you, Hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Claiming to be Daniel's Son of Man is precisely what got Jesus crucified. Here is where we must develop poetic vision. For the Son of Man coming on a cloud is not a description of one trip Jesus will make from heaven to earth on a cloud. It is rather an enduring image of his status as Lord of all. Jesus is always coming on the clouds to judge. To be sure, there will be one final act of judgment at the end of time, as we say every time we gather in the creeds. But the judgments of the Lord Jesus are also continually revealed in human history. In the gospel, Jesus is referring to one particular act of judgment. And the words of our gospel and of Matthew's account of the trial highlight the act he is talking about. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, they will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud. However, when Jesus spoke to the leaders who handed him over to death, he said, you will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. First century Israel would see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in AD 70, when the Roman legions destroyed Jerusalem and the temple because, as Jesus said in Luke 19.44, you did not know the time of your visitation. But the disciples would not see the Son of Man coming on a cloud in that instance because the early church was warned 
by prophets to flee from Jerusalem and was safely across the Jordan River when the Romans came. See Luke chapter 21, verses 20 through 22. So what does this mean for us? Today is Bible Sunday. In the collect, we pray for grace to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the word of God so as to embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. The Bible cultivates the virtue of hope in us because it reveals that God is always faithful to his word and therefore we can trust his promises to us. In the gospel, Jesus prophesies what will happen and what he prophesied came to pass just as he said it would. Our tradition is a Bible reading tradition. The Book of Common Prayer provides readings for every morning and evening of the year. The English Reformation, like the Josian reforms of the Old Testament, began when people started reading the Bible again. When we developed the habit of Bible reading, the daily habit of interacting with God's word, we learned to narrate our lives and the world by the word of God and not by the trendy new thing or the latest news flash or post on social media. We learned to put our trust in the faithfulness of God and not in the shaky words spewed out by the marketers, politicians, and manipulators of our time. Reading the Bible is not always simple. In some places, it has a simple message that is easy to understand and receive. In other places, it has a deeper and poetic meaning that can only be understood by diligent prayer and study and by getting good teaching. As Jesus said, seek and you will find. God reveals to us the deeper meaning of his word when we persistently seek it through faith. The irony of our time is that Bibles and Bible study resources are more plentiful than they ever have been. And yet the average Christian today knows less of the scriptures than Christians of past ages when all that a family possessed was one King James Bible and no Bible study resources at all. This is in part a function of our consumer mindset that seeks immediate gratification and thus stops reading the Bible as a habit of life the minute it becomes too hard. Advent is about preparation for the coming of Christ. We can't prepare to meet the Lord unless we read the words he left us to tell us what we need to do to prepare. Just as the liturgy of the word prepares us to meet Jesus in the Eucharist, <clears throat> so our regular liturgy of Bible reading keeps us ready to meet Jesus whenever he may come. Thus on Bible study, let us, on Bible Sunday, let us renew our commitment to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest God's word. 
It's the one thing we can count on, the one thing that cultivates real hope in a dying world. As Jesus said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost.